0: Today is November 9th, 2020. Joe Biden is projected to be the 46th president of the United States of America, while Trump and some Republicans claim that the election was stolen. Welcome back, friends and family, to another wonderful show of your favorite show, Split the Difference podcast. We got a great episode coming out for you today. I'm serious with everything that's been going on over the past week and all the stuff that we have to talk about from the left side of the aisle, all the stuff that we have to talk about from the right side of the aisle. I can say with 100% confidence, this is the best episode that we've done yet. Buckle up and get ready because I think that you are going to enjoy it. So if you are new Welcome to the show. Glad that you're listening in. To give you a little bit of background on what this episode and what this show is all about, here at Split the Difference Podcast, our goal is to look at politics with a level head, being completely reasonable, and trying to find somewhat of that moderate center there in the middle. We look at the left side of the aisle, we look at the right side of the aisle, and we do our best to try and find the good stuff and the bad stuff on both sides and be honest with ourselves and be honest with the community that we have around us and the conversations that we have and try to find that 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 sweet spot in the middle where we're able to kind of come together reach across the aisle and have a little bit of unity with all of the divisiveness that I feel and that you feel and that all of us feel going on in the country right now we need to have a little bit more unity and I think that we need to be able to have honest conversations about what we believe is good and bad on both sides of the aisle So that is the goal of this podcast. That's what we try to do around here. Hopefully, if you like it, share it, enjoy it. Send us around to all your friends and family and join in on our community as we try to bring a little bit of unity to all the craziness that's going on right now. So with all of that having been said, let's go ahead and hop on into our story number one. So the first story of the day is pretty big news, but over the weekend, Joe Biden was projected to be the 46th president of the United States of America. Honestly, it's been an extremely long week since last Tuesday. I cannot believe that the election was already, it was less than a week ago. Absolutely blows my mind. But Joe Biden is projected to win. Uh, It looks like Joe Biden right now is going to end up with somewhere around 306 electoral votes, and Trump will end up with around maybe 330, to 332, something like that. Um, Right now, Biden, as of the the time of this podcast, um, Biden has about 76 million votes, and Trump has about 71 million votes overall. So that result, interestingly enough, is almost completely flipped from what what it was in 2016 when Trump beat Hillary Clinton. So at that, Trump won 2016 with 304 electoral votes and Clinton had 227. However, the overall vote count, which was pretty significantly less. So Trump won about 63 million votes and then Clinton had about 66 million. It was one of only five elections in history that uh, the popular vote, the person that won the popular vote actually did not win the presidency. The other one that was more recent was actually in 2000 with George W. Bush. So that does not happen very often. The I, I think the, the huge thing that, well, there's a lot of big things that came out of this election in 2020, but there was a huge voter turnout. And this was, I think, projected for a couple of weeks, especially once like people started seeing the lines for the early voting. A lot of people were like, this is, this is going to be a huge difference. This is going to be a huge voter turnout. And this was an increase right now, actually, from what my calculations, it looks like it's going to be between about 13 to 15% increase in overall voter, ter- voter turnout from 2016, which is a huge increase in voter turnout. So that's honestly very good news. That's awesome. I love to hear that the country is coming out and making their voices heard and that they're voting for who they think should win. And it's pretty clear right now in the polls that Joe Biden was who America wanted to win. Um, So at this point, Trump still has not conceded. That is not surprising at all. Uh, I don't think that he will concede, probably unless he gets absolutely turned down in just about every single case that he sends in to the courts to be able to prove any type of fraud or prove that any type of nefarious activity was going on, which right now is already starting to happen. There's been multiple cases that Trump has sent into courts all over the country, especially in places like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and he's getting, he's getting turned down left and right by federal judges. So not very surprising that Trump has not conceded if there's anything that Trump is very good at is being a sore loser. So Biden has remained for the most part, somewhat quiet. Like he's come out and talked a little bit, you know, about, you know, Hey, you know, I think that we still have the opportunity to win. We still have the chance to win. At this point, he has not quote like officially won. Like it's still the news outlets that are projecting him to win, which is very, very normal. Every single election, every four years and every midterm as well. Uh news outlets like NBC or Fox or MSNBC, or, you know, any of the big news outlets always go through and project who they believe is going to win before the final vote tallies come in. Because in many states, in many states, and in many cases, you can tell who's going to win based upon the projected of number of votes that you expect to be coming in from that state and how many votes each person has actually been accounted for. So he's right now been projected, but He pretty much has won, barring anything crazy happening over the next week or two, which at this point, I guess, would not surprise me all that much because of how crazy this election cycle has been. But, you know, Biden has pretty much won and has sealed it up. So um, he hasn't come out with any type of gigantic party. He hasn't come out and been like, you know, jumping up and down and saying that, you know, I guess rubbing it in Trump's face or anything like that. Um, He's pretty much just kind of been keeping to himself for the most part. So um, that, however, is not true for the rest of the country. So there have been gigantic parties all over the country, like all over the country. So uh, I was going to say, I I found a video. Let's hop in and look at a couple of these parties right now. This is in Los Angeles right here. This is in Washington, DC. I mean, people all over the streets. I mean, just, this is in Brooklyn now. I mean, just wall to wall in the middle of the streets. Everybody dancing, partying, just like going wild. A lot of partying going on. New York City here. I mean, just everyone just shoulder to shoulder in the middle of the streets, just, just partying. So, um, basically people are all in, especially in a lot of, a lot of these large cities are just going nuts over this while the other half of the country that voted for Donald Trump, for the most part, is kind of just licking their wounds, sitting down, you know, trying to figure out what it is that they're, you know, what they're going to do next. Obviously, a lot of people are upset about this because the candidate that they wanted to win didn't actually win. And, um, it's pretty interesting to see the diametric differences between the two. One thing that I have not seen so far, uh, has been a whole bunch of Republicans out in the streets, um, uh, Doing a ton of protesting and, you know, freaking out and getting extremely angry. There have been a couple of protests here and there. Most of that took place last Wednesday and Thursday, especially up in Detroit when they were still counting mail in ballots. There were some, you know, small pockets of Trump supporters that were out protesting. Not a ton of protests so far, though. Um, which I guess is kind of to be expected. I think that the left side of the aisle stereotypically are going to be the people that are like jumping up and grabbing their signs and running out to the streets in order to protest, which there's nothing wrong with freedom of protest. If they want to protest, they have the freedom to do it. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Um, But the right side of the aisle, I guess over the past decades or a couple of decades, haven't normally been the ones that have gone out and done a lot of protesting. And that's kind of holding true right now as well. So Biden, for the most part, seems pretty cool, calm and collected about this. I think that he uh, had his game plan going into what he's going to do. I think he executed it pretty well, especially the last couple of weeks leading up to the election. A huge ding on Trump is the fact that he got coronavirus after saying the coronavirus was no big deal. And I think that a lot of the country listened to his rhetoric and did not like it. So now Trump or not Trump, Biden is sitting down and he's like, all right, well now I've got to put together what I'm going to do when I actually get into office. So, uh, there's been a couple of articles that have come out talking about what Biden's going to do. Biden himself has not really given a whole lot of ideas into, uh, his actual formal policy or the first things that he's planning on doing as soon as he steps into office outside of a few things. Okay. One, he said that he's going to remain tough on China. He, ha- he didn't necessarily praise Trump for the way that he, you know, had has built the relationship with Xi Jinping and China, but he in some ways kind of was like Trump was on the right path there and remaining tough on China. But he said that Donald Trump has, you know, kind of ruined our foreign relations with a lot of our allies. So I think stepping into office the first day, Biden has made it clear that he's going to like get us back into the Paris uh, climate accord. Um, And he's going to make some pretty big changes, especially along climate with that as well think that he's going to try and either renegotiate or re-enter America back into the Iran nuclear deal, which uh, Trump pulled us out of. He said that he wants to put us back into the WHO, the World Health Organization. Trump pulled us out of that earlier this year. Um, It's pretty clear that he wants big changes on climate, decent changes on climate change. He also wants to increase taxes. That was part of a big uh, tax plan that he was putting together uh, that he unveiled before he actually won the election. And then he also wants to increase a pretty uh, a good bit on government spending for the poor uh, and the middle class. So what the main thing that what Biden is going for, and from what I've been able to see over the past couple of days, is that Biden now is making this huge push towards unity. And you were able to see the entirety of the media. It's almost like they had been working so hard for four to five years to belittle and to degrade every single thing that Donald Trump has done. That now they're almost just kind of like, whew, okay, all of our hard work is over. We finally got the guy in that we wanted to get in and we can breathe easy and we can rest easy a little bit. It's almost like you've seen the media kind of like take their claws back just a little bit and kind of like, all right, it seems like this era era of just Trump terror is over and we're going to be able to just breathe easy and everything is going to be fine from here on out. But that's not true because although the media would love to think that Joe Biden won in some huge landslide victory, he didn't. Joe Biden won by a pretty thin margin. Like he won by about 5 million votes in the popular vote. But he only won by really only a you know a little bit. He he didn't get that much far over the 270 electoral votes that he needed in order to be able to win the election, right? He won by 30, maybe 35 electoral votes. That's not that many votes, and it is very very clear that there is still a gigantic coalition on the right side of the aisle in America that wants Trump and they appreciate the things that Trump was standing for. Um, you don't see a lot of the media, I think talking about that maybe is the best way to put it. Like it almost seems like they're already trying to get to a place where like Trump is behind them. Like Trump is just a distant memory in the, in the, uh, in the, you know, rear view mirrors of the media's mindset. But there's a couple things that I think were made very, very pointedly clear through this election. Okay. And the first thing is that obviously, People, the majority of the country don't want Trump in office, right? Kind of clear, obvious, Trump lost the election, right? It's obvious that, you know, Joe Biden won. If he wins the popular vote and he wins the Electoral College, the majority of the country spoke and they want Joe Biden. And I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that Joe Biden was preaching unity. Joe Biden was preaching moderation, which I'll get into actually in my second point here. But Joe Biden was also preaching uh, that he wants to go back to this era of normalcy. And I think that in a lot of ways that appealed to many, many American voters. There were a lot of people that were out there looking at Donald Trump in the way that he was acting, and they weren't super pleased with it. Donald Trump has an extremely brash, divisive style. There's some people that really like that and they really want that. But there's also a larger group of people that didn't like it. Trump was not able to appeal to those middle of the road voters that he needed to be able to pick up if he was going to win the election. And the crazy thing is, is that Trump is going to end up getting probably even close to 10 million more votes than he did in 2016, but he's still going to lose the election, which means that he rallied his base extremely well, even better than he did in 2016 but he wasn't able to convince anything that anybody that was either on the other side of the aisle or was in the middle of the aisle to be able to come over to his side because he was the person that was going to be the harbinger of change and the harbinger of good things to come. And I think that's where Trump was he lost, you know, his message obviously just wasn't as convincing as Joe Biden's. People are longing for this feeling and this sense of let's get back to normal. Like this This past, these past four years have been crazy. They've been incredibly divisive. I've lost friends due to politics. I'm tired of everything being so hyper-partisan. And they know that Donald Trump isn't necessarily the person that started it, but he absolutely made it worse. And now, with the coronavirus and in 2020, this has been a year unlike any other year that many people can remember for a long, long time. It certainly has been the weirdest and the most far fetched year that I have had in my lifetime. And many people are just ready for change. The idea of going back to normal, right? is very, very appealing. And you know what you're going to get with Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been in politics for over four, almost five decades. If he goes all the way through the end of his term, he would have been in public service and and a politician for five full decades. That is a long time. People know who he is. They know what he brings to the table. He's not some kind of crazy person on one side of the aisle or the other. He's pretty moderate and he, for the most part, kind of does what he says that he wants to do. Okay. Joe Biden's not, you know, any type of, he's not a president. I think that is going to be uh, extremely divisive in one way or the other. He just is kind of your uncle Joe. They know who he is. And I think in some ways that was kind of appealing to people. Second thing that this election, I think to me, uh, brought about, or I guess proved or showed, was that people also don't want the far left. They're tired of it. They don't want the, they're, people are tired of identity politics. They're tired of critical race theory. They're tired of political correctness. And they're tired of cancel culture. They're tired of all of these cultural wars that the far left have been pushing and have been trying to shove down the throats of the entirety of the American people for a very, very long time. And well, when I say very, very long time, I mean really the past decade or so. People are tired of it and they don't want it anymore. And the reason why I say this election, I think, was kind of showed that the sentiment in American culture is shifting away from that far-left progressive ideology around culture is because, one, Joe Biden won the Democratic nomination. Joe Biden was in running for the Democratic nomination against, what, like 20, 22, 24 other Democrats in the very beginning. He, from the very beginning, was the clear moderate, Right totally clear moderate. And also the really the only other moderate in there was Tulsi Gabbard, which she was only winning a couple percentage points in each state, but she was in it actually in the last three. So it was between really Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is an admitted socialist pushing very, very far left ideology. Okay. And the Democrats were the ones that were like, no, we don't want that. We want the moderate. We want to be able to put somebody in the nomination that we feel like is going to capture that more centrist and more center of the road that is going to bring people over that are tired of, that are tired of Donald Trump, don't want what Donald Trump is bringing, and is going to push more moderate policies that can hopefully unite both sides of the aisle. They didn't want the far left progressive. And you're able to see that in the way that African-Americans voted and also the way that Latinos voted. There were, Trump made a lot of inroads, especially into the Latino community, but also into the black male community as well. There are plenty, I went through this a bit on Friday and last Wednesday as well, but uh, there were a lot of inroads that Trump was able to make, because I think that a lot of people are like, just because I'm black or just because I'm, you know, Latino or just because I'm a minority doesn't mean that I have to vote for one way or the other. I want for a politician to be in there that's going to do stuff that's good for me and good for my family. It isn't about this color of my skin. It's about what is the president going to do to be able to benefit us and to be able to benefit me. So I think that there was a repudiation on on two fronts. There was a repudiation of Donald Trump and the divisiveness that he brings, but there was also a repudiation of this far-left cultural ideology that is going to be bringing in uh, these waves of cancel culture and political correctness. And there's a lot of people in America that are very tired of that and... For the most part, I think that you were able to see that through how the election actually ended up playing out. Joe Biden, the moderate, ended up winning. He's been a moderate for a long time. Now, Kamala Harris, totally different story. Totally hear the Republicans being upset or worried about Kamala Harris, but. For the most part, even the Republicans that I've talked to aren't extremely worried about a Joe Biden presidency. They know that he's moderate and they don't have a huge problem with Joe Biden. It's mainly they don't want the far left to be taking in and taking control of the country. It's the same reason why you don't want the far right taking in and taking control of the country. People want a more moderate position. Also, hence Split the Difference podcast. Who would have thought so with all of that being said, let's go ahead and hop on in to our story number two. So our story number two somewhat ties in, obviously, to the first story, um, but it's pretty much how the Republican, some Republicans and how Trump have handled this last week, which, in my opinion, has been terrible. If you want to hear more about my opinion on how Trump has reacted over the last week, Listen to the last podcast on Friday because I went on a little bit of a rant about how poorly I think Trump has been handling all this. But, um, Anyways, so many on the right are claiming some pretty outlandish things right now, um, and they're doing it with very, very little evidence, especially around voter fraud, and are basically about the election is being completely stolen from them. So uh, let's go ahead and hop in and listen in to this. Um, This was actually posted by uh, USA Today, but kind of gives a little mashup of a, a, a lot of different stuff that's coming from the Republican side of the aisle. Let's listen in now. We were winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually. And then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away in secret. The president falsely suggesting Republican observers are not present at vote counting centers. His argument fundamentally flawed, complaining that he's being cheated while in the same breath touting results he likes, including the success of Republican candidates on the very same ballots. We did a fantastic job with the Senate. Spreading a series of conspiracy theories, the president slammed post-election polls that forecast Biden as the favorite as a form of voter suppression and detailed his plans to take his case to court. Right. So Donald Trump has basically been coming out pretty much nonstop over the past week, saying that there was rampant voter fraud, that the election was stolen from him. And the majority of it centers around this one key thing that a lot of people are saying, calling the red mirage. OK, and basically the premise is this. The Republicans were up by a significant amount and Donald Trump was up by a significant amount early in the night. And then all of a sudden, within the next couple of days after the election, the Democrat, the Democratic votes started rolling in and they kept rolling in and kept rolling in so much so that Trump would then, then had the election stolen from him and, uh, that, you know, that the Democrats then just came in with this huge wave there at the end. So it seemed like the, the red side of the aisle, the right side of the aisle was going to win. The Republicans had this big mirage up that the red side of the aisle was going to win, but then the blue came in at the end and just whoo, took it. So this, I think honestly is, it's a very interesting thing because first of all, it was called a month, month and a half ago by plenty of political pundits. A, n- a great example is Sagar Jetty. He actually works uh, worked for a little while for The Federalist. Um, he's a very right-wing political pundit. And he talked about this on his podcast and on different shows that he does plenty over the past month. There were a lot of pundits that were listening to this, all the politics that have happened over the past month to a month and a half. And they've been like, well, the Democrats are obviously, because they're pushing mail and val- mail-in voting, they're gonna have a lot of votes that are counted either on or after election day, even though it's and it's gonna make it seem like the Republicans are way up, but they're gonna they may end up losing. Um, I think that David French, he's a writer for the Dispatch, actually wrote a very good article debunking a lot of the kind of conspiracy theories and stuff like that around all this. So I'm actually gonna go through and read through and look at some of the things that he had. He basically puts. Uh, A question up and then goes through and debunks it a little bit. So first question, should I be suspicious about the fact that vote counting is taking so long? He says, no, basically it's frustrating to wait. It's not fun to wait, but this is not abnormal, especially in a year where we've had more mail-in voting than we've ever had. Um, So a lot of people, he says, talks about a lot of people are angry about the slow counts in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. But within the past couple days, even we're still waiting on a lot, a good bit of uh, votes coming in from Ohio, California, New York, and Alaska. But we already know that those for the most part have gone either red or blue. So nobody's upset about those. They're really just upset about the swing states. Plenty of states are still waiting on fa- final tallies, and it takes a little bit of time. You shouldn't—it shouldn't be blown away about a week or a week and a half afterwards. Not all of the votes are completely counted. Um, should I be suspicious that mail-in ballots are overwhelmingly Democratic? No. Don I talked about this a little bit last week but Donald Trump repeatedly said that mail-in voting was well, was rife with fraud that if you uh, that you should go into the actual balloting office or your precinct in order to be able to vote whereas Joe Biden said the exact opposite right Joe Biden over and over and over again encouraged people to mail in vote because he said he was worried about the coronavirus impact um should I be suspicious of the extraordinary turnout in numbers in swing states? No, there actually wasn't any record voting turnouts in most of the swing states that I've been able to find. There was a big thing that came out that was talking about, uh, Wisconsin turnout exceeded the number of registered voters. That's not true. It actually wasn't even a record number of voter, a voter turnout in Wisconsin. Uh, it was extremely high, but it wasn't a record. Um, There were also a tons of conspiracy theories around big ballot dumps that happened where, you know, like a great example is in Michigan. There was all of a sudden this 138,000 votes that were just quote unquote found overnight that all were for Joe Biden. And it actually, within a couple of hours, was found to be a clerical error. And the person came in and reversed it. So 138,000 votes went towards Biden. They realized it was an error and they reversed it and went back. His numbers went back down to what they actually were. So there's been a bunch of stuff going back and forth saying that, you know, there's all type of fraud. There's all types of conspiracy theories that are being pushed around when at the end of the day, there's not there's not all of that fraud. There's all those conspiracy theories are false. You have to be able to sift through a lot of this nonsense to be able to get to the place where it's like, all right, it really actually just seems like Donald Trump lost. Okay. And I think it's frustrating because a lot of this stuff and a lot of, a lot of these things that Donald Trump is saying is all stuff that most people realized he would be saying right now. Donald Trump has been setting this up for months going on and on, talking about how all, you know, there's tons of fraud and all these bad things were going to be happening. When in reality, this has actually been a, from what we know, a pretty clean election. There hasn't been a lot of fraud. There hasn't been a bunch of stuff about, uh, you know, people going in and and putting in voting votes illegally. Uh, Another big thing that I've heard over and over again from the Republicans is that up in Pennsylvania, there was, uh, there, they weren't allowed to go in and actually see the votes that were being counted, right? That Republicans weren't allowed in the room. This is a big thing that's being pushed by Donald Trump and a bunch on the right. It's actually just unequivocally false. So, uh, judge Paul Diamond um, he's in a, he's a Philadelphia federal district court judge, um, was approached by and had left, had a hearing open for Trump campaign lawyers. And this is the actual communication back and forth. So judge Paul Diamond to the Trump campaign lawyer, Diamond, are your observers in the counting room? The Trump campaign responded with, there is a non zero number of people in the room. Diamond said, I'm asking you as a member of the bar of this court, Are people representing the Donald J. Trump for president? Are people representing Donald J. Trump for president representing the plaintiffs in that room? The Trump campaign lawyer said yes. Diamond responded with, "I'm sorry. Then what's your problem?" So there's in this this huge peddling of uh, well, Republicans aren't even allowed in the room. Uh, Nobody's you know there's there's fraud everywhere. We've got to be able to stop this. They've stolen the election, and the majority of that I'm sorry is just false. And it really is making it look like Trump now is doing anything and everything he can from being able to keep him from having to say that he just lost, right? He just didn't win the election. So, uh, it's interesting because on one hand we, we, there needs to be due process, right? Trump, there's nothing wrong with Trump going in, putting together his legal team saying, listen, we think that there's been fraud. We're going to put together our case, present it before the courts, and hopefully have our case heard. And then, you know, we'll be able to bring about change if actual, you know, fraudulent activity was happening. Nothing wrong with that. That is good. That's what he should be doing, going through the legal process that it takes in order to be able to figure out if fraudulent activity happens. That's good. Donald J. Trump, do your thing if that's what you want to do. But If he wants to stand up on stage and peddle false conspiracy theories or peddle a bunch of stuff that have have zero proof behind it at all, that's where I'm going to start having a problem. And that's where the majority of Americans have a problem as well. There's been multiple Republicans that have stood up on stages over the past week or so and been like, uh, this is not good and Donald Trump needs to stop. Rick Santorum uh, was on a talk show basically saying this is all terrible, Trump needs to stop. Chris Christie got on a talk show and did the exact same thing. So um, what, what is clear is that Trump needs to quit his uh, awful rhetoric around all of this. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our story number two. We don't have a third story for today, so we're just going to jump right into the best part of the show, everybody's favorite part of the show, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile, it was actually very tiring, but it's a very good thing. My mother moved on up here to, we're in Columbia, South Carolina, but moved closer to my brother and I and my wife. Super excited about it this weekend. Mom, if you're listening, she's my biggest fan. Shout out to you. It was a ton of fun getting to move her in this weekend. And it really kind of reminded me of how important it is and how much fun it is to be close to family. I think that a lot of us very easily move away from family for jobs or for other reasons, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But being able to live close to family is an awesome thing, and it's getting me super excited for the most wonderful time of the year, which is Thanksgiving and Christmas. Duh. Everybody knows Thanksgiving and Christmas is awesome, and everybody enjoys to be able to get out, go see your family, enjoy them, have some fun around this time of the year. The elections are over. We can breathe a little bit easier now. We can enjoy going and having some good conversations. Hopefully it won't be weird around Thanksgiving table or Christmas dinner. Uh, and hopefully no politics actually get brought up and you get to just enjoy your family. But, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to spend some time with my mom. It's been fun being able to move her in. So, um, Definitely looking forward to hopefully many more years being able to live back close to my mom again. So with all of that being said, that is the show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking us out. If it's your first time listening, we appreciate you listening in. Please look me up on all the different social media platforms. I am on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast with one T. I'm on Facebook with Split the Difference. My website, splitthedifference.com with one T. I'm also on YouTube as well. If you'd rather be able to watch the podcasts, check me out, give me a like, give me a subscribe, give me some feedback and some reviews. I also love, I always love and appreciate to hear what you guys are thinking. If you have any cool things that made you smile throughout the week, let me know. Maybe they'll get featured on the show. Uh, remember always as well, in all of these crazy times over these next couple of weeks that we on Split the Difference Podcast are gonna do our best to keep level-headed to be reasonable, and to always split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.